Oh, dear. I have no idea what that was. Uh, hi, it's it's, intro. You know what intro. it is? It's, uh, it's August on the Carnival of Randomness, and I'll just say, I guess, whatever little little Ragon was a salute to Octavian, otherwise known as the Emperor Augustus Caesar, because the month is named after him. And we have, along for the ride, it's Rob here after the July we, I had. I'm glad to be here with all the stuff that went on. And we have our... Official second banana co-host and our musicologist, and I heard over the last weekend they finished one two in a Billy Eilish lookalike contest. We have Greg and Hi. Ken, <laughs> hey, with his little ray gun over there. So, yes, uh, no matter how old we get, and now. For the band in A, we, we always will never run out of talent here in Rochester. I know if there's other places we were doing this, we'd be like playing tiddlywinks on here because we would have run out a long the time. The Arrested Development is finally paying off. Yes, we're like just, it's one of those days. It's raining out, it's, it's weird out this summer. And who knows with COVID and the Delta House variant. So, so what happened what, in July that was so weird? A lot of cars broke down. Every car oh. I had <laughs> broke down. Every this strange, weird. Uh, but so one of the favorite names of bands around Rochester, the Archive Ravens, are here. And because there's a trope going on with this show, I've been messing up names so much when I introduce the guests. You can introduce yourselves and tell us a little about yourselves. Ava, uh, right? Well, <laughs> no, yeah. either of you, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Uh, yeah, hi. I'm Ava. I'm Tom. And we that are wasn't the hard. I could have done that. <laughs> <laughs> hi, Ava. Hi, Tom. How did this all come together? How did you get up here? What's your origin story? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, um, I guess we could first talk about the story of the, the band name, because a little bit before the show, we were talking about so, that. All right. Wait, so no, I, you, fir- you- I first met Ava at, <laughs> well, I first really started noticing Ava at a little house show that our buddy our mutual friend jordan put on and pretty much uh, all our friends were invited to come up play little sets of their originals and ava decided to hop up at the last minute she didn't bring anything and she wasn't really prepared but she decided to hop up and do great gig in the sky and just kind of you know played out a little part on the keys and and belted it out and uh i was really impressed by that so it's kind of like the first like time i really noticed her and then um after time went on you know we just started getting to know each other more and now we make music together and yeah and archive ravens eventually was born so that's mm-hmm. kind of ava's ava's um brainchild, brainchild yeah. yeah and the so. name the names get a really cool background story sure. i'm like this stupid podcast where i just <gasps> made the name up one day <laughs> well, you can for the carnival of randomness you can just tell people it's after the carnival of animals it's like a clever wordplay. then people will be like wow you're i'm so, gonna go with that yeah Thanks. they'll be like wow that's so clever um but anyways uh the origin of the name comes from uh, in in college both tom and i went to university of rochester and I took a couple of Russian history classes just because I thought they were interesting. And at one point, we were talking about um, there was a bunch of uh, basically like alleys underneath that worked as like a library system, you know, like archives. And they would call the people who would spend all the time down there, you know, like scurrying around in these dark, dirty places, archive rats. And uh. I thought that was the coolest name when I heard my professor say that. And I was like, man, after college, like, I'm going to start this, like, indie rock band. And we're going to be the archive rats. And we're going to be, like, the coolest thing. Uh, and then as I was finishing up college and getting very much more serious about, you know, getting into music in a more, like, focused way, um, 
I was that was still the idea, but my dad was like, "Oh, that's so gross! You can't be rats. That's like, you have to do something more." Like, you know, I knew a band elegant. called the Rat <laughs> Kings. Actually, oh, I knew yeah? a band called the Rat Kings. I always thought we'd make a good the shirt good logo. Yeah. yeah, the Good, good rats. rats. Good Rats. Good Rats. Great. Oh my god. I like Rat King. That's sweet. Yeah. You know, you can do so much with it. Did you ever see the ghost in Dewey Library? Because I went to U of R for grad no. school. Supposedly there's a ghost. And I like how the archives, we used to have to push them, like they would move, you push them. Mm-hmm. And I always remember freezing in Harkness Hall, like for, oh, liberal, like, yeah. for history classes and stuff. Good but, friend. Oh, sorry. No, and that's about Russia, though. He said something about in Russia, too, like the mm-hmm. archive ravens. Yeah, well, so the Archive Rats was the name that they just, like, called the kind of, like, bookish, nerdy people running around, like, scurrying around through the, the underbelly of the library system. Um, but then my dad was like, you can't be rats, that's gross. So I was thinking about, like, what other animal would be cool? And uh, for me, so in my acapella group, my, like, nickname and, you know, things like that, we had, like, names on the back of our shirt. Mine was Blackbird, because I sang... Um, the Beatles song Blackbird, I sang the solo, and you know, my <laughs> friends in acapella were like, oh Ava, you're such a bird, that's very much like the animal that I relate to, so I was definitely thinking it's got to be some sort of bird, um, and at that same time, I was learning about ravens in mythology and their significance, um, <laughs> and they're actually- Enough with the ray gun while the guests <laughs> are talking. <laughs> and, that was um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I was really moved by the significance that they have across so many different cultures, and and how similar it was all across the world, um, in both you know Native American cultures, in like actual like India Indian cultures, in uh, Norse mythology. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, what is his uh, his ravens names are? Um, Oh my gosh! I'm thinking cool in my head they're really cool. Odin, yeah, Odin's ravens yeah. names. Yeah, I always would put yeah. them out. Oh, Rob, that's you, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I um, write that in my Christmas cards. Uh, yeah, no, I should know this. Um, I knew it at one point, but anyways, ravens in I mythology. I were heckle and jackal. <laughs> no, they, they were, were magpies. <laughs> oh my gosh! They, Don't they you know anything? Cool <laughs> but in in mythology, they are usually the connection between the mortal world and the spirit worlds. Because because they feast on carrion, like, dead animals. Mm-hmm. They're that connection where they'd be carrying the dead bodies to the spirit world. And they were, like, the messengers, the same way that, you know, you use, like, birds to send things. The ravens were thought of as the messengers between these, like, two worlds. And so that's, like, both looking at the past, looking at the ancestors. But also they were seen as, like, prophesying the future. So they were this connection between all of time. So you've got birds that are free to move all across space. And then you've got... Ravens in specific are free to move all across time, and they're this huge like needle between like sewing together all of these disparate cultures. And for me, also, I love the name because I'm a huge Neil Gaiman Sandman fan, and oh. you know the use of his raven, Morpheus's raven. Mm. So, and it's also cool for like all kinds of merch. I think of that for like friends' bands and stuff. Yeah. Well, it's kind of like the allegory with the crow. The same thing with the crow takes the the spirit. That yeah. whole thing with that whole story there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're actually from the same family. They're all, they're both corvids, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Ravens are sweet. I once saw a raven fight off a hawk. In oh the wow! Air. It was like a bird battle. It was sweet. So See, we have they're, everything they're on the show. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of uh, 
You know, and I think blue jays are related to crows too. I'm pretty sure. Would now we get them in the basement. Would this be ornithology? Is it? Yeah. This is yeah. We're, we're changing. We're not going <laughs> to yes. do music, not music today. Yeah. No, we're not doing music. Let me get my brown glasses and my. So this hand. is why we call this carnival of randomness. And now, for, in terms of like what you like, in terms of instrument, do you self-taught or do you do lessons? So I'm always interested in it because we always come from whatever path we come from. We always get at the same place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I first got into music uh, back in elementary school when it was, you know, public school, like kind of the natural uh, time they, they say you got to do chorus or you got to play an instrument. Or if you can't play your drum really, Greg. <laughs> so, That's right. I was terrified of singing and getting on stage in front of people like that, so I wanted to do an instrument. And uh, I ended, I wanted to do saxophone or clarinet, so I ended up with clarinet. And, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where I started. Eventually I transitioned into tenor saxophone because I was really drawn towards jazz. And um, and then at this, around the same time I started playing acoustic guitar. It was around uh, when I was 14. And, um, yeah, just kind of self-taught myself with acoustic guitar but learned a lot of the theory and took jazz lessons on saxophone so I could kind of carry that knowledge over to guitar and started to sing by myself a little bit. I was still really shy and... Definitely, my voice wasn't that good, but I, I think I think now at this point, uh, singing in front of people at shows and stuff, I'm, I'm more confident about it. But for a long time, it was it's tough, you know. Like this, the singing is a very like personal delivery of your soul. I for me, I feel like, and um, when you you know sometimes you could put it out there and people are like, oh, you suck, and it's like, oh no. <laughs> it, so. It's a tough balance because you kind of have to have part of that, hey, dig me attitude without coming across like that. Right. You exactly, have to have the confidence exactly. to put it put it over and make yourself interesting enough to for people to sit there and watch. And right. Listen, you know. And you got singers like Robert Plant where they just like really are putting it out there and it just works because they so much bravado and right. ego and it just that charisma. And one of the ones yeah. I always point to is I saw Rod Arjun and Colin Blundstone from the Zombies play at the Trelf. And now Colin me. Blundstone. <laughs> He doesn't go dance around like Mick Jagger. He's not like some sex symbol. But the way he holds himself, the presence, he just stands by the mic. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But you can't mm-hmm. take your eyes off him. Mm-hmm. Right. Once you the find presence. your your shtick or whatever you want to call sort it. Sort of like Susie Gregg when she doesn't she sit still and doesn't move, sits in a chair right. a lot of times. So, Ava, I'm going to put you on the spot. Sure. What impressed you the most in Russian history? Oh, what impressed me the most? There must be a fact or something, because I took a couple of, like, <sighs> philosophy of religion courses and things like that, and you're, oh, wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. I knew a guy who fought in the Bolshevik Revolution. Really? Honest to God, you talk about going way back in time. Wow. Yeah. First job I got out of college in my field was at the Jewish Home and Infirmary. <clears throat> it was on St. Paul Street back in 1970. So 1970 was, okay, 25 years removed from World War II, and you do the math from the Bolshevik Revolution. Right. At any rate, this place hired and employed folks from all over Eastern, Western Europe, Communist, Russian, German. This place in 1970 was a melting pot of people. Mm. Wow. Survivors, Holocaust survivors, and this one spry little old man that worked in the pot room. He washed dishes in the pot room. His name was Ivan. And he was no taller than than you, Ava. And he was... was Five, three. (laughs) His little... If that. And this guy was... He had to be in his 90s or whatever then. 
And he was he fought in the Bolshevik Revolution. We would have these and survived. And, survived. <laughs> and we would have these conversations through a translator, from yeah. one of the workers there. It was fascinating. I'm sorry. Go, go no, no, what's your oh, my, my big thing? Well, my oh. thing was I actually that's the first place I ever had flavored vodka, oh, Armenian myself. brandy, and I stole the Russian <laughs> flag from Moscow. <laughs> and I don't think they could get. You never know with Putin, but that was a long yeah. time ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, I guess my impressed or interesting fact. Is kind of looking at Stalin's rise is not necessarily inevitable because he actually came to power only six so only six weeks after um, he was like appointed in his position. Lenin ended up having uh, either like a pulmonary embolism or something like that and died. <laughs> and so Stalin kind of it was like very circumstantial that he rose to power. And if you think about the huge influence he's had on our history right. since then. But the fa- I mean of course he was like industrious and hard working. He was definitely a go-getter, but he was just kind of in the right place at the right time. Well, not for all the millions of people he killed, but yeah, right, right, right. but the fact that he actually came to power <clears throat> was just kind of that like the the person directly above him just died yep, I'm next. weeks after <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Well, he got well, Trotsky got ice picked by him because there was a yeah. fight. It's pretty stuff interesting. There. You know, I, I was wondering because I mean I'm I'm part Polish, so mm. it's, it's close. Mm. But I mean, my cousin is really into stuff, and he goes to Russia every now and then, and this and that, and he was, he finds it fascinating, and I, I do too. I think it's a, I do when I was there's I so went, much of Russia. I, I was there literally so just before the Soviet Union fell, so I got you used to like America. Okay, if you don't like president, whatever else. We do have a system at least. I get off the plane, there's people with machine guns waiting mm. for you to sort of scare right. you. And I got pulled out of line. I heard, I guess they just did it to intimidate you sometimes. But you're sitting there going, looking at the papers going, you know, it's, you're going to be at the gulag that you read about. <laughs> you know, you realize that some they could just yank you off the street. Even, yes, it was Gorbachev and it was a lot better, but still you're going to you know, pressing potatoes in the vodka factory. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, it's such, plus it's got such a long history, rarely any kind of democracy, the Norvergard period, you know, and it's all, it's just fascinating. So this turned out to be extra fun because yeah. you can actually talk because people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> yes, sir. You know, for that, but I actually was going to go see you playing at the Little, mm-hmm. but my car oh, exploded. I went. But I went. He went. I was so I, last time I saw you, literally was at the Little. It was like around January 2020, before the world went to hell. <laughs> I didn't see any bats flying around. Lucky. Oh, you're lucky you didn't call yourself the archive bats with COVID. But yeah. so, Ken, can you describe them a little bit before they tell us how they like? No, I don't think I will. Let's have them describe Spoil sport. No. I like to have the spectator view to see if they're the same on with them. You know what? I enjoyed it. I always, and I think I've mentioned it before on shows, one of the things that is my M.O. this time around, now that we're back out of COVID and whatnot, is to go see things and to go hear folks that I haven't heard, that I haven't seen. Show me something new. Show me something different. And I had not seen the Archive Ravens, and uh, as was my my route that night, was to stop in at the Little, and it was very enjoyable. Um, Yeah, my route was like to see Steve for a bit, then go down the Little, then my car almost died over there, and I had to go home, so, and I'd seen them before, as I said. When I got there, you know, the crowd was, you know, okay, it was not spilling a capacity or anything like that, but it was early, too, when I got there. But it was very enjoyable, very... um, the, the the two of you back and forth and the it was just very enjoyable very was different um 
<clears throat> and it was very liking to my ears. That's the beauty of the little, too. I think they really... I would go down there, would do just like you. I know most bands, obviously, yeah. but I would gladly would... Okay, what's playing at the little? I'm going to go check them out, because I know the eclectic taste there, and I think it's a great place to play, too. I also, I love, like, the cafe vibe, or old jazz club yeah. vibe, but also, people are into it there, too. They're not mm. just... They sit there. Right, they sit there. Yeah. Which I like, and I mean, that's the mix, like you said, you go some places, you're like background for people eating burgers, you try to get their attention, but then when they're really into Attentive on the music, and you know they're fan. You know maybe if they've never seen you before, they're just music fans. who want to see something, and especially being cooped up with the craziness. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't been going out as much as I want to, mainly because of the dumb job I have. Yeah, you're working all the time. I am between that and playing all the time. I don't get a, no way. So you go out when go. you have your own shows, though, right? I do. I got this <laughs> thing about Facebook invites where the artist inv- is they're going to the show. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I don't. I don't phone it in anymore. <laughs> no. So the instrumentation is guitar, sax, keyboard, set. What is it exactly? Yeah, it's guitar and keys for the most part, and uh, vocals, vocal harmonies, that Love kind of harmonies. thing. Yeah. And sometimes I'll break out the saxophone and play some stuff oh, like okay. that. Yeah. Have you guys? jumped into doing any of the electronics and the beats and the recording and the loops and the so on and so forth? It's something I'm trying to get more familiar with. I definitely, in my the majority of my life, I've gravitated towards, like, acoustic music. Mm-hmm. Um, just, like, the, the timbre of it and, like, the tones that you get. But I also really love the idea of, like, the self-sufficiency that you can get from really, like, having exploring those bases even though I, I don't really see myself going into like more electronic tones i definitely am interested in like having setups that we can kind of maybe fill out sound um you know but not be playing eight instruments at once and singing right, right, right. <laughs> personally well i enjoy i've definitely been to shows where i enjoy somebody having either a loop pedal or having samples recorded and playing that back and, and playing the music with it um i personally enjoy performing and having everything being live I don't, Me too. I don't necessarily like pressing a button and playing with the track. I, I do a duo with this guy once in a while, and he's got a loop pedal, and I play this little electronic drum thing that I have. It's just one thing, but it's got pedals too, so you can do a kick drum and a hi hat and stuff. But but the thing is, if he hits that loop button at the wrong time, yeah. he plays his chord patterns, and then he hits the pedal just a freaking smidge off, and then all of a sudden I'm in the ozone because all of a sudden the, sure. the, the groove the the, the chord pattern is it's out of sync, and I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. And so you, there's an art to that, too. Well, so. that's true, mm-hmm. and it's done well. Yeah. You know, who's the Jacob Colliers? Yeah, yeah, yeah the, the... The singer? Yeah. He was here a couple years ago, Jazz Fest. He's a phenomenal, phenomenal kid that has really made a career out of sophistication with all the looping and whatnot. A time and a place for it. Right. If it's overdone, if it's overused, we have some folks here locally that use the snot out of it, mm. and it's like, yeah, just stop doing that. You know, it's nice real. though. Yeah, it's nice right. that it keeps the music from being empty because like you start right. if you play leads, it empties right out. You know, right. so it's nice to have the background. Mm-hmm. I found I really took this to heart. I saw Barry Ashkell at the Bob Shop a few weeks ago. He's just if you look him up sometime. He's this like really good jazz drummer. He's played everywhere, and he just said it when people were talking about playing. He goes, "Look, it's you got to have chemistry. You got to like be able to right. play off each other." And I've done now. I actually am more familiar with the recording process. So I was doing like I was involved with some demos, and I had some friends loved them, and they were saying, "Wow, you have a great band backing." And I, and I was like almost laughing, going, "Oh, that's all." Uh, 
programmed yeah. and it's no musicians. Yeah. But I think you need that chemistry together too. It's got a and that's what he said, you can't force it. You can't force it, especially no. like with jazz, you have to play off each other, you have to know what you're doing. It's almost like if you're playing basketball, you gotta know when that passes. It's a conversation, you. you know, really. I mean you're it's like you're having a little dialogue with a bunch of people and you gotta know when to stop talking and when to you know, talk more and whatever, you know. Right, exactly, exactly. You know, that's he, the Zoom thing. That's the one thing about the Zoom thing that always, you know, it's like, how the hell? How he do you did keep it, it though. Together? The one we got, the one you actually made it Yeah, we some did things. it, but I mean, you know, you still have to play in a and room. It's not together as fun. I mean, that's the thing we have to, like, we try, we have Zooms. I have some friends who don't live around here. They can't be on here, but it's much better in the studio when you're around each yeah. other and everything else. But I think artists make art. You create, so you always want to challenge yourself. So you probably step out and to do different things mm. and, you know, get out of the box. And this, that's what this great thing about creating music you can do whatever you want right and if you have the ability to do that like like i was saying the self-sufficiency aspect is the most appealing to me because yeah it would be ideal to have that chemistry but then you also need to have someone who's just as invested in your artistic ideas as you are and i mean of course for us that's easy but i mean not necessarily always with like a fuller band you know um but like you have to have that uh kind of in a consistency that's Especially in Rochester when there's so many people and so many bands and even people who like your stuff, they're in like eight bands and it's hard to really get working with them on a deep level. Yeah. <laughs> so so I think a, a big thing that I learned coming out of college and, and getting into music was really how you have to kind of do everything in this day and age. You yeah. have to be like, but of course, like I'm saying this from the perspective of, of the two of us, not that, you know. N- not like Eva does a lot more work than I do. <laughs> <laughs> That's always yeah. best to get the one person's like. Remember, like when you were in school and they put you in those groups. You knew you always got the person who knew no matter what you'd have. Like it usually would be me. I would mm-hmm. do the work because they knew I didn't want to flunk. Yeah. So they would just sit back and not do anything. Yeah. Tom, what kind of music do you like to listen to? That's exactly the question I was going to. Well, yeah. symbiotic here. We got yes. we got it going on. <laughs> mm, what type of music? I like. I well, classically, I've listened to a lot of reggae. Um, what have I been listening to lately? Late, I don't know. Lately, I've been listening back to like some Stone Temple Pilots. Um, yeah, love that. Some uh, earlier Foo Fighters stuff, but um, I don't I, know. I'm a big '90s music guy. I like that. Great yeah, jazz band the STP the there too. I actually went to I went to Ottawa Jazz Fest and Stone Temple Pilots was highlighting Ottawa Jazz Fest. I'm just going, wow! I never knew they were classified as jazz. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. <laughs> That's some versatility right yeah. there. I've, I have though. listened to a lot of jazz. Um, yeah, jazz was a really big influence for me. At a certain point, like John Coltrane, I thought he was awesome. He's my favorite. I, th- I mean, I hate that question. I'm not going to ask you who's your all-time best, but I would put Coltrane in my top mm-hmm. three. Yeah. yeah, he's just so expressive with the instrument and um, just love what he has to say musically on a lot of the stuff. Um, yeah, I would say like, oh, that's kind of like a palette of what I listen to. And I've been talking, actually, reggae's become a theme on here a lot. We had our, my friend Justin Lloyd on here from Personal Blend, and we've been talking a lot about reggae because I've heard friends say, and we've talked about this, Greg, a lot, that it just it sounds so simple, but playing it's tough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's sneaky hard. Really? It's like playing a Beatles tune. People, oh, it's the Beatles, that's not hard. Try to come there together. And, try yeah. Go in there and do a Beatles tune and come out with yeah. it like it sounds on a, an album. Yeah, right. the thing with it's reggae sneaky is... Sneaky hard. Yeah, everybody's got a play their part and you can't deviate mm-hmm. everybody's got their spot in the in the beat you know and the guitar is on the up up thing and 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 the drums do the one drop thing where there's no one it's just you know and the guitar is doing the ands and stuff so it's like 
It's very and it's very hypnotic. It's just mm-hmm. a, it just goes and goes and goes. But it's with the reggae. It's also a whole mindset too. It's a whole you 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 wrap yourself around it. One of my right. favorite local reggae bands, the Majestics. Um, yeah, they're great. We did a we did a double bill with them at Iron Smoke just before COVID, December two thousand nineteen, just before COVID, and. Um, uh, we had all the gear was all set up on stage, and I was using uh, Ron Stackman's keyboard so that we didn't have to tear things down and so on. One word he had taped onto his keyboard, and then it was a lesson for me. You know, he had the word breathe <laughs> taped to his keyboard. And I, and I went up there, and we're getting ready to play, and I looked at it, and it was like this... This swell came over me, you know. It's mm-hmm. like, just relax, have fun with it, yep. breathe. And right. what a, it was a magic. Bruce, Bruce Springsteen yeah. said, "It's called you're playing, not working." Yeah, you, know, you got to do yeah, it. And play. I just finished a Ringo Starr bio, and the thing is, the Beatles were so. I mean, I would say John was the worst in terms of musician, not lyrics, obviously, but like in terms of, but all of them. And George is like a lot of musicians that I know, like Sam Snyder, Greg Townsend, mm-hmm. they, Josh, they love. George Harrison. And people, yeah. when you say great guitarist, you never mention him. Right. You right. know, and Ringo, and people make fun of Ringo. Yeah. <laughs> they used to, not so much now. I think people are realizing what he had. You know, he, he gets you know. brought up a lot now is because his style is so definitive. And like, and that's like going back to the, oh, it's just a beat. Try and cop Ringo grooves. Yeah. Well, <laughs> when I played the George Harrison birthday thing, I had to learn a lot of these his fills. And, oh, I mean, oh, not you should have to, but you did the George Harrison gig. Yeah, I'm doing it this year too. In oh, August this year, oh, it's oh, not done yet. I wasn't asked yet. Oh, I, see. I wonder how much those recordings actually were yeah. Ringo because uh, I've I heard the story. Alan White was on some of the demos, the early stuff. I think he was yeah, on Love well, Me him, Do. Yeah. Love something. Me Do. They brought in somebody else, but you can hear like on the anthology <clears throat> and early things, you can hear Ringo's. Yeah. Right. You know, I think. But this is like Good too, point, like though. in terms of like your songwriting process. How do you I know you do originals? You do covers. And what's like the whole process of putting together like the songs? It's like songwriting and everything for you too. Yeah, absolutely. I think we like to start somewhere. Um, so the whole thing with the Ravens being in and out of time is we're you know kind of trying to look at different times too. I know Ava's been pushing a lot of jazz stuff and looking at different different like songs, especially classically that she really fi- draws influence from, and that inspire her. So you want to talk a little bit about? Sure. Well, um, one of my huge influences is art song, like from the romantic tradition. I think a lot of people would say like classical, um, but you know, like technically romantic. Art songs, yep. Yeah. I like that stuff. So I love this. because a lot of my upbringing was, you know, as as a vocal student, and I immediately took to the classical repertoire. Well, as in more the romantic again. But um, so a lot of that is just piano and voice, and it's written just to be. A simple song for piano and voice but they're these little gems there's so much happening you know you get a two-page song and in it you're exploring these like deep deep emotions usually they're these snapshots but they're so lush and I I love that I so that's why I mean before we were talking about like groups and filling out sounds and I think uh, as much as like it's it's nice from a performance perspective and, and like to get energy up to have a lot of things I like listening to smaller ensembles where you can really hear each part distinctly and so like in a songwriting perspective i think we we have somewhat dense music oftentimes because both of us like things that have a little more uh like i guess complexity melodically and harmonically uh but that also 
suits well to our style of having just a few instruments and just our voices. So, yeah, I guess... That's what I like, though. I think you could call some music, like popular music, it's like fast food. People like mm-hmm. it, dance to it. But other people, what I like is when you really can get into it, all of a sudden you start paying attention, you're taken to a different place. Right. And you're just right. like, really, wow, this is, you're really doing something here. That's right. what I That's what I look for. And the other thing that it's, it's like fast food, I've definitely thought about that analogy, too, is that people are so used to, like, the high fructose corn syrup sweetness of, like, pop music that it, it's sometimes, like, hard to connect with that. You know, the, the art song stuff, to me, is very like umami it's like it's like oatmeal it's like you you eat it and it's nourishing and you feel good yeah you know it's not high fructose corn maybe syrup, you have to listen to it that. a couple times if you dig it you right, might go exactly. like captain i was yeah. told about trope mask replica by captain beefheart you either you're not you're gonna love it or you're gonna mm-hmm. go what the heck is this yeah. i immediately fell in love with it yeah I never could get past the cover. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm loving your Epicurean analogy. I am yeah. too. We it's actually have very... guests who have above like two IQs. I was yeah. like, this is our drummer here. Yeah. Uh, we were talking I about, hit things. I, I had a, a similar experience too because uh, we were talking about Joni Mitchell before, at least maybe before the show. But I, I found for sure that the stuff that I gravitated towards immediately when I was getting into Joni Mitchell stuff is not necessarily the stuff that I like now. Like, when I was first listening to Joni Mitchell, I was like, why did she make this weird Hajira album? This is so funky. And now, I just, like, listen full through to that, and I'm like, wow. Which one? Hajira? I've never heard that. Is that the one with um, Jaco Pastorius? Yeah, it's the one with, yeah, he's playing fretless bass on it. He comes up a lot on this show, because there was the old Red Creek story where they couldn't find him, and now it's been very different from Doug Rice. um, I heard he was on the railroad tracks. They found him on the railroad tracks with paint on him. Yeah, oh my God. Poor guy. So that's so he comes up a lot because I used to goof up and say he was in Spyro Gyro when he was in Weather Report, but that's why I had you introduce yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it very much is that like our society is so used to that like sugary sweetness and so used to like fifteen second clips and and with music it's really not in my opinion not built to be that so people are always like, Oh, why aren't you on like TikTok? Why aren't you like trying to push yourself on TikTok? It's like because I don't really believe in, like, 15-second chunks as being something that's going to nourish you. I don't know. I think it can, but I don't think that that's something that no, I would be interested in. No, and I think that's, in. like, the dichotomy I want to talk about a yeah. little in terms of... This is, like, a, a divide, you know, and bless everybody on either side, but it seems like this we're really split in terms of the, the people who are open to original music will go see mm-hmm. and I always say go what you like go see what you don't like but like for example I'm going to go see my friend Alyssa play this week she's playing at this one thing there's an Aerosmith cover band afterwards now, I'm going to see her and leave I know a lot of people I went to high school with will probably show up after she's done to see them mm-hmm. and trying to drag friends out to see original music is like giving teeth pulled and they'll go to me well why don't you go to see with the Eagles cover bands playing this week where's that? Uh, it's at that bands at Barnard oh yeah. Okay. No, but uh, speaking, you know, to your to your point, Rob, the bands that are all original locally, and I'm saying this because I was in one for eight years, develop their loyal following. Yeah, they we develop, do. We, I mean, I could go and name names too. here right. of half a dozen different people and bands that when they go and they play, and for example, gigs that are coming up soon. Um, I think Liar's Moon is going to be playing with the Occasional Saints this week at uh, Iron Smoke. 
That'll be a packed house all night long. Yeah. yeah. It's the same. And I like, that's how you meet so many people and how we interact, too, because you end up running into, that's how I met Todd Kratz, too, because we just kept running into each other. Like, hey, who's the two weird guys <laughs> running into each other every show? <laughs> I got to interject here. You know how I met Todd Kratz? This I is walk- a, you can swear on this no, show. I, it's came, okay. I came downstairs one day at my house from a night out. And just go, coming downstairs to get some couch. couch. He was on the couch. <laughs> <laughs> Every now and then, he for had, local musicians, you may find one on had, your couch. He had met my roommate, and and somehow, oh yeah, sure, come on over. And then next thing, hey, who's this guy? <laughs> and like I found out about you two because I know like Katie, Katie Mori, Ben Mori, mm-hmm. and Jackson, and you did the show, which was either CCR or Neil Young at Ampli, yeah. which it was but, CCR. Okay, yeah, yeah, that yeah, shows yeah, you yeah. when you're old, you forget such yeah. things. So funny. We still talk. Yeah, Jackson's great. I, I saw him with the full band last night at the little theater um and for sure like yeah we're so lucky in rochester that we do have people who want to see original music but also all the people that i've met so far in the music scene are so welcoming and especially jackson cavalier i remember right in the beginning where he was just like here let me like invite you to do this thing let's like help get you like into this community so that was really huge and meaningful for me I think he's he's a great member. Yeah, that's why I met him because of Katie Preston, Katie Mori. Now, mm-hmm. Caitlin Yarsky played in his birds, whatever they called them, his one band. So well, I seem like I know somebody from somewhere around mm-hmm. them and everything. I, I've always wondered why with the Eastman and all the, the <coughs> culture we have here, why we're really not more on the map. Yeah. As far as, you know, cause What's it's right almost up there like, behind yeah, you, Greg. I think, I think the we figures. are. Well, I mean, I it, think it's, in a very quiet way, I mean, you, you start to talk to people in the know. You well, start it is to talk, quiet. That's my well, point. The musicians know, though. The musicians know. I well, think yeah. The musicians it, know. It's almost like we had to form these original things in spite of it. It's almost like, you know, okay, we're just going to do our little subset thing here. And, and and then, like you said, we do have followings, and now we have a base. How do you, you know expand I mean? that? That's the one thing I'm getting into, too, a little bit. That's You just tell your friends word of mouth. I mean, a lot mm-hmm. of times, because you know other bands... You might play with them. They bring some people in, and you get. I always go. Okay, I've seen her. Okay, I'm. I'm hooked. I'll follow you whatever yeah. I can. Mm-hmm. I, I guess what I'm tr- really saying is that w- with all the fancy stuff we have here, the jazz and the U of R, the weather, and, <laughs> yeah, why there's so much pop music here. Yeah. That's what, that's what you know, like for like, me when I went to a suburban Catholic mm-hmm. high school. All I heard was how my music sucked that I liked because you had to like like the all the super popular. Yeah, I'm going to jump off of what Greg says. Though. You know, why do we have so much pop here? I mean, those are the circles that you're running in nine yeah. out of ten times. The radio. Now, I'm going to take a departure for that because I'm going out as just as much as you're playing. Right. But I'm going to the Eastman, and that's a whole, right. whole different mm-hmm. circle. And the singers and the Eastman that you that you get to know, and the keyboard players and the instrumentalists True. and so on yeah. and so forth. And then going out to see the eclectic groups and the Sam Snyders and the Michaelas and seeing what they're doing. Bugs are coming back this week. Sam's playing this week. That's right. You know, and and my I mentioned it before. My whole hook is different. Show me different. I want to see something. That's me too. I don't want to go see somebody just doing a pop thing. You know, that's cute. It's great. It's wonderful. You know, uh, the occasional Saints with a New Orleans kind of a hook to it. Different. You know, that's kind of cool. Uh, you even got Liar's Moan with his doing his uh, birds and his uh, right. you know, that kind of string music th- type thing. Yeah. Right, all that kind of different. There was nobody on the scene that was doing that, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. We've got some excellent folks that want to do tribute bands. You know, go ahead, knock mm-hmm. yourself out. We've got some excellent Doors groups and Zach Brown tribute band. Yeah. Uh, so it's just 
what your circle is, what you choose, and how much you want to step out of your circle. Right. Yeah. But, uh, well, that's why I'm in so many things, because I like so many different yeah, kinds of music. And I have a friend, I've told this story many times before. One of my friends lives in Atlanta. I think, okay, Atlanta, big city, cool city. First thing he comes back to me, goes, you don't realize like how lucky you are in terms of, I was looking for music to see you don't have half of what you really? have up there. Yeah. You would think Atlanta, mm-hmm. you're going to have... It's Atlanta, for goodness sake. Yeah, right, right. There's a ton of people. I think there'd be a ton of music. Yeah, but it's really not. He just said, like, up here, you can go. I could, like, if I have friends going out, and I use the Duke Ellington line, there's two types of music, good and bad. Mm. And, like, you can have (laughs) friends going out any day of the week, and I can't, you know... After this, I don't go out as much, but you could, you could pick different things. And I like to see different. I like to see friends that I know I know I like, but I'm going to go see, check out different things. You never know. You might find the next thing you just love, you know. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing I really want to ask, too. I mean, you're all creative. You're doing, you're rolling along. This evil thing called COVID comes along. Mm-hmm. Now, how did you react as artists and player and playing out when you, all of a sudden you cunt? Did you, like, I had friends who what? actually, like, one friend <laughs> did three to four albums. Wow. But did you, like, I barely could do my laundry, but were you creatively active or just? Yeah, I think that was a period of a lot of refinement and practicing. Um, some Some writing. Um, yeah, we just tried to focus on developing repertoire as well. So it was, I think for a lot of people that's what it was. That's what it was for us largely. Yeah. I, I think for me, it was almost, as much as, of course, it's a tragedy, it kind of came at the right time for me. Um, because I do think I needed to take a step back from... So I I got out of college with all these ambitions and and all these ideas, but, like, kind of running a band and being proficient at, you know, instruments while singing and just all of the the tech and logistical side of things, it was so much that I do think it was, like, starting to take a lot out of it for me, and I think I needed that time to really solidify who I was as an instrumentalist and a songwriter, and and even, you know, working that in with with the core of how I see my musical identity is really comes from the voice, Um, but really taking kind of a step back from society in a way, Um, and even, like, you know, disappearing from social media. The, The other thing, you know, we were talking before about, like, different cities, the other biggest platform right now that people have to contend with in a lot of cases is the Internet, and I think it is the algorithms prioritizing boring things because they really don't want to show you something that they they think that you won't like. So instead of taking some risks with the algorithms, they just want to make sure you're not going to swipe whatever way. So, you know, it's kind of like the Tinderification of music where it's like people need to make an appraisal of your song within 10 seconds and they say yes, no, yes, no. And that's like not... How healthy music gets it, it, written. That's not an environment for creating It's got a things. good beat. I can dance to it. It goes back to that. Eva, yeah. yeah. you have just paraphrased Frank Zappa. Oh, really? I, yeah. I was just you learning about Frank Zappa. Just, I'm, I'm not even going to... I will invite <laughs> so you to, to go to YouTube and just Frank Zappa. Mm-hmm. And you could put executive or whatever after that. Yeah. Exe- interview Frank Zappa. Old timer. Mm-hmm. We'll get you there. He talks about this exactly. You know, back in the '60s, when the record executives didn't know what the hell was gonna sell right. or not sell. Right. Yeah. Go ahead, do it. Take a chance. It's yeah. hard to imagine happens. that rock music was that once a. And now a it's new gotten. Thing. <laughs> it's gotten also algorithmic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, they go they for the look, the uh, they, like the 
they you can't know, they afford can be to short not put out a hit. span, right. shallow, and everything right. else. And they figure they take these artists now where it's like, no, you haven't been playing together for five years. We just got you. You have to look. We'll make one thing and then toss you, get the new ones, right. you know, nothing. Yeah. Disposable, Disposable. culture. Disposable. Yeah. The, the trouble, too, is producers are making the music, not the mm-hmm. musicians. Yeah. It's like, well, let's just get a singer and then they get beats and then they get, you know, some samples. Tim Drahan told the story on the show, which I thought was great, where he said, whatever flaws, but in the 60s, they were about the music. They would get Quicksilver message. You know, these right. bands, you, could you imagine somebody comes in like Bob Dylan with that voice now mm-hmm. and the way he right. looks? Like, get out of here. Yeah, you know? right, right. <laughs> There's such big money with advertising, too, that, again, like, they can't make mistakes. I, not that they're mistakes, but they can't take any risks. Right. Because it's like, they have to put so much more into the advertising than they do into the making of the song. Right. And even into True. the touring at some points. And so, like, they can't gamble with that big money. Well, I guess this is talking about, like, the biggest acts, the biggest of the big acts. But that reflects, that, like, trickles down to what everyone's doing. And so everything, everyone's simplifying things because they're worried that if they give... People who don't, you know, they think, okay, well, people don't have attention spans anymore, so we can't make things that help people grow their attention spans. Like, no, that's the opposite way you should be going. An attention span is an important part of a person's identity, and you can't yeah. allow that to be. And I keep away saying read because, like, you yeah. find out if you're on the computer, you're looking at something like two things: read. That's how you learn. Like, read books. Mm. The things called books. Take yeah. your time. Read books. I and mean, that's the other thing. I think the communal spirit of live music too. Where you get, you're among people. You end up becoming friends with them. You there's like a, a Experience. It's more spiritual sometimes, like sitting listening to the music. Mm-hmm. You know, and then realizing, too, you're not the only one right. in some ways where, you know. Oh, it is an absolutely joining experience. That's why we went through a very, very difficult period with COVID. Yeah, Ken, you yeah. too, like being like me, like we would go out all over, do maybe two, three things a night. Oh, How was it, like, in, number one, like I had a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine said, this is the happiest time of my life. She loved being isolated. I enjoyed it a bit because I had some things happen in my life where I needed to step back. Mm-hmm. But then it gets sort of weird. And it's just like when you've been doing something for so long, when the first times you go out, you feel strange and seeing people you haven't right. seen for decades. You know, it feels like decades. It's like a year or so. But how did it feel like you finally relaunching yourself with the little rocket ship Greg brought? It's weird. It's just if you really playing weird. again too, and Greg playing again. How did it feel? You know, I walked into Abilene's a couple three weeks ago, and I just I walked in and I stood there in the middle of the room. It's folks, some folks at the bar, and I was just looking around. And Danny was there, and he's like, "Hey, Kenny, it's good to see you." And it's like. It was a really odd moment. You don't know yeah. whether to start getting a tear. Only in your me, eye. only me. That one yeah. night I went to go yeah. see Old League Zine, right? So I go there. In fact, I see Hannah Widener. I see her. I see Ann. I see Josh. I think I almost dropped because it was so hot that night. I started getting like overheated. I'm going, oh, this is a great re intro where I'm going to, Danny's going to find me on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was a really, uh, it was an emotional kind of a thing where Freaking you've been weird. alone. Literally yeah. for so long, and if you did go out, you had to get all masked up and just go to the grocery store and run home. Yeah, could you imagine? Like that was what I used to say. It looked like you were going to commit a robbery just going shopping. Do I got my mask? Do I, I got my hand sanitizer? Do I got my? Oh yeah. You know. So, but it's getting better. It's getting easier. It's uh, 
Hopefully. Hopefully. That's, I'm just going to say, you know, we're going to, you know, we're in uncharted territory because, like, when this started, when did we ever go through this? And I'm like, by Easter, yeah. it'll be done. Oh, so yeah. let's just take it as it goes. So you might be on one of the last shows before we close down again, depending yeah. on. I how don't say that. This oh, variant God. thing is almost like another scare. It's like they're really yeah. pushing it. But you can't like, do it. See, I've, I'm at the point this age, too, where I've gone, you know, you go through enough, you go, you just got to, you know, go. It's like Bruce Lee said, be like, be like water. You go with the floor. Right. You do yeah. what you got to do. Be the water. Be like water. You put it in a glass. You have to, you know, it's Ava, where did you go to school? Where did you go to college? U of R. Uh, U of R. We both yeah. went to U of R. Excellent. Yeah, Excellent. But I, I Recently graduated? A while at this point. Well, kind of a 2018. while. 2018. You were in Harkness a lot then, weren't you? Because see, I was uh, like uh, poli sci history and I was with them, so we used to go to Harkness. I remember it was so cold in there. Ava actually so, studied physics. I did study physics. I um, Dear goodness, you're too smart for this <laughs> show. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. It, yeah, it was kind of an interesting trajectory where I came in. So you were more in the other. I was in the Dewey Library a lot. There was okay, the other yeah. library. The library like by the parking lot. I even rush your ease. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I went in expecting to do something like history, political relations. But then I took this course freshman year, an astronomy course. Totally blew my mind. Another one of those spiritual experiences. Yeah. Oh, mine was almost flunking. That was, oh, that was yeah. I took astronomy at Fisher undergrad. And I still remember Erwin Delano, the professor, great, did a little bow tie. Real smart. So I get 21 out of 40 on the midterm, right? So I go in, I go into his office, and I go, you know, I, I really like your class, but, you know, I'm not a major. I don't know how much. He looks at it, he goes, he goes, he goes, I don't see why, why you want to drop this. You have one of the best grades in the class. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got astronomical units on the final. I got the answer right. I have no idea. Oh. Yeah. yeah. It's weird. Sometimes those elective type, well, I need another class things, turn out to be your favorite experiences. Yeah. So finish your thought. So here you are in physics, and you're, you're, you're making that switch. Yeah. Saying. So the astronomy and physics courses really start out similarly. A lot of them require just the same, like, basic physics and math. And then I just ultimately like the professors in the physics department a little better, and so I just skewed that way. But the whole time I was also taking um, voice lessons at Eastman. I took primary voice with Keely Fuderer, who is absolutely amazing. If you're into classical voice, even if Come you're on not the into show, classical Keely. voice, <laughs> she's, she's now in, I want to say, like... Tennessee or we'll something. Zoom I should know this. <laughs> but, oh my gosh, is she amazing. I think she doesn't have that much recorded material because a lot of amazing classical singers don't necessarily right. have a lot of recorded repertoire. They're just doing shows and stuff. Do all you keep time. in touch with any of the kids that uh, that are currently at school? Or at UVR, yeah, I have a, a few friends. There. Mainly the musical people are the ones I was who just going to say, the, yeah. Eastman, the Eastman kids? Well, I was I was never running in Eastman circles that much. I was mainly just going there for like lessons. and you know. Yeah. One of the things around. that I was... That I was working on and doing before COVID was over at um, Stromboli's restaurant mm -hmm. on East Avenue. We were doing music just about seven nights a week. Yeah, the jazz stuff. I saw that a bunch of times. Okay, and yeah. that was, you like know, Dave uh, Bantle, the owner, and myself were putting those together. Mm -hmm. One night, we, and I came up with an idea. I said, why don't we get something really, really different in here? We got the, um, the vocal department down. We had probably seven or eight men and women of mm. uh, someone came in set up a piano so that they could do the accompaniment and so on uh, Sophia Skedder uh, uh, I forget her last name now trying to remember some of the kids how cool was this though I mean yeah. literally we're in this pizza place People are having beers and, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I love that. See, I love oh, the vibe. So where like great. some of my favorite gigs 
they're small world books. You go down there. That would be a good place for you to put yeah. them. They had are like Bernanzio. And the, the thing is, I would love, like, I would be walking down East Avenue. Just walking down East Avenue. And Hannah Widener used to have those things at the Daily Refresher. Yeah, 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 yeah. You walk down there, cool, yeah. and you hear music all and you're like, I think I'm going to stop in. Yeah. And if I heard opera coming out of a pizza place, you know I'm going right yeah. in there. Oh, definitely. Yeah. No, that's Italian. You know, that's what I love. I just love music that kind of stuff. Food? What are you kidding me? But I was, this is a little, I'm going to step in this one because it's way over my head but like in studying physics I think there's a lot of mathematics and music and playing music how did this help you in terms of playing and for like in terms of learning music and everything it doesn't relate wow did I really try to act like I'm more intelligent than I am on this one Um, I think it's it's a big part of I guess maybe how my mind works so also kind of how my music ends up is that I, I do like things that are somewhat algorithmic where I will often come up with an idea before the song so I think a lot of people they have this great intuition I think Tom always has this like gorgeous intuition where he can just like form this song but for me I'll usually think about things in advance and come up with a concept and say like how can I represent that in music then how can I take that and kind of develop it um, in a way or like play it out through some like algorithmic way to make it develop in some way um, and, and the math side of it, I think math and music theory are so similar. And of course, like, you also get, like, the acoustical phenomena. I, I studied, you know, I took some acoustics classes because, of course, I was super interested in music. And for me, being able to visualize what it is that sound waves are doing when they're moving or thinking about, like, harmonic resonances and, like, you know, even, like, drum heads. And that's, that's the way right. that you, you map things um, when you're thinking about kind of how all of this relates to just, like, basically sine waves. You're thinking, and, like, uh, Einstein, Walter yeah. Isaacson's book on Einstein. He's fa- like, he's written some great books, Ben Franklin, Steve Jobs, mm-hmm. but the one on... He supposedly, he could visualize it. He would see yeah. stuff yeah. like that. That's well, how he yeah. thought. And Einstein said his biggest inspira- inspiration was Beethoven. I think Beethoven said his biggest inspiration was Isaac Newton. So you've got well, a lot of cross yeah. between Wow, those. that's why that's why yeah. I host this thing and don't play anything. Yeah. What are you going to say? Well, Beethoven's favorite, uh, favorite guy wasn't Einstein, I guess. Right. <laughs> you, know, you, you talked about resonance. Back to the future. Yeah. <laughs> I was reading this thing, Alex Van Halen, and I never I never understood why he, he a had physicist? four bass drums. No. <laughs> He is Dutch, though. <laughs> he had four bass drums, and I never got it. I didn't understand it, because you only can play the two. But what he did was he had them connected with these flex hoses. Yeah. And so it would feed, the the, the vibrations would feed into the outside drums, and they would mic it. Mm. And so he had this crazy thing, and he also had two bass drums chained together his main bass drums were two regular bass drums put together so they were super like barrels so he had these yeah like 48 deep and it's like holy crap and that was his whole concept with the with the extra bass drums was it 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 just gave him a bigger sound and then you know he he could take one away for a certain hall you know he'd work with the room all that kind of stuff and people don't think about that that's really cool i think roger daltrey said if like the like music's the language of the universe, mathematics and music. And I think there's mm-hmm. also the thing I always love at shows and we've all seen it and you experience it, I'm sure. You you go and anybody I see, you have a minimum level of confidence confidence. It's gonna be good. But you get those nights where I always like to say it's a little magic where you hit like some note and you see the sometimes you'll see them look at each other like, Wow, this was mm-hmm. this was actually our you know, Herb Smith one time, like mm. I saw him at Avil, he's playing at Avil, he's going, he goes, he goes, excuse me here, but I have to say, this is the best fucking way I've ever played this song. <laughs> yeah. like, and, he goes, and he just goes off and playing that. And it's just, it's, it's, that's the buzz of like live music, I think, too. Mm. He's like, a cool guy. 
Oh, he's so great. So cool. And he's math doesn't lie. Math is absolute. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Like, I, I remember watching, I went to a, the Carmine a piece. Clinic. Apathy. Apathy, or whatever. Apathy. Carmine's, <laughs> Carmine's Clinic. <laughs> and he started doing these, what they call linear drum fills. And I still don't quite, I mean, I know what it is. I get the concept, but I'm not very good at doing it. But what it is, is you play like a, a thing of nine and a thing of seven. And guess what? That equals 16. So... You come out on the one, but what you play in the middle sounds all goofy and off, but mm -hmm. then you just bang, you land right on the one, yeah. and it's like, wow, and it opens up this whole thing, and then you can come up with all these permutations and all these different combinations. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, exactly. Yeah. That's the one thing I like to ask, too, for musicians, is did your instruments find you, or did you find them? Were you always attracted for what you were going to play? Did they go, hi? play me or did you think you were going to play something else and it just gravitated toward i'm sort of fascinated that way how musicians came to whatever they're going to play mm -hmm. i always i mean i just always really wanted to play guitar acoustic guitar and sing i guess just always had like i always just thought that was really cool i always looked like for the weird instruments especially <laughs> like yeah. guitar you could get and everything yeah, yeah. tom are you still playing clarinet uh, very rarely. Only when I, I Last time I played was <laughs> last time I played was like in Romania. Three years so if I need ago. a klezmer player, should I give you a call? <laughs> I don't know what a klezmer is. Oh, okay. That just sounded so great though. The last time I played clarinet <laughs> was in Romania. Yeah. That's a story to tell people. I love it. I actually did a huge paper on Romania, so I'm like a have an affinity to that. You, you would know it. Beautiful. We played at the Sibiu Festival, uh, Theater Festival, like International Theater Festival. Mm -hmm. That's so you've traveled on this. Okay. Well, well it's was... it's kind of interesting because um, the thing with that is it was kind of connections. Uh, my yeah, it was like my... a one-off, very like fortunate opportunity that right. we were given. It's like somehow one of our films I was involved in got called. It was in an Italian film fest. We don't know how they found us or anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, yeah. uh, no, no, no. I was going to ask. Uh, you had mentioned. Klezmer. You mentioned Klezmer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's uh, traditional, the Jewish music, and you would yeah. recognize I it straight Klezmer. away. I love Klezmer. It's like, yeah. You know, the Jewish parties and the weddings and so on mm -hmm. with the clarinet. Like the just, well, you oh, think nice. about the, I think the violin is probably the, the most iconic of it. Like, yeah, we'll have to listen. Like, cool, like, um, like, modes. Yeah, it's got, it almost got some, like, Hungarian, probably, good. like, uh, elements to the... Yeah, it's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, it's, yeah. I love that. It's all, I mean, beautiful. this is, like, we always say on this show lately, we could go on, like, for three hours, but it's been great having you and everything. Where can we, where can we, uh, find all your stuff, and what are you doing coming up? Yeah, absolutely. We have a show at Beer Park on August 22nd. It's a Sunday. It's going to be from 12 to 3. We're playing with our good friend Jordan Rabinowitz. He's going to be playing bass with us and uh, maybe some acoustic guitar. And For those of you keeping score, he was the one whose house uh, concert we first kind of met each other That's at. the other cool thing. Is I, I, I hope house nice. concerts can come <laughs> back now too. because I love those. Like My good friend Rick Simpson does them. I find I've gone to Buffalo for some, mm -hmm. and they're awesome. That's my favorite. Yeah, I'll put one, yeah. There was a band, Big Little Lions. Are you familiar with them yeah. now? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, they, I'm on their list, so they send me their songs. Yeah, all they'll time. send you, like, you get on a list, you'll go down there. But I saw them at stuff. one of these house parties, and it's a it's a, a, a woman and, and a drummer guy, and he plays a little bit of keys, and, and, you know, they just do a duo, but, I mean, that's what they were doing for the longest time. They said, there's you know, they make some money. And I guess they do it a lot in Buffalo. I talked yeah. to a lot of bands there. Who is this? 
Big Little Lions. Oh, I'm sorry. And, well, and, the, and that house party thing is just that's a that's a thing. It's it like is. You get it on is. this list, and, and then you get you on this, and find have out. these parties, and then you you come. You know, to I them found out one of my friends' bands. Uh, one of Justin's bands playing like two blocks away from me, so I went walk down there yeah. because they're cool. Yeah. But it's like, where can we find out? You know, modern days, you probably you have your site on Facebook, and mm-hmm. how can we find all your stuff? And yeah, we actually have a website that Ava maintains it's called thearchiveravens.com. And we, yeah, like I said, we have our show on August 22nd at Beer Park. That's going to be at noon. Mm-hmm. And we also recently recorded an EP, five-song EP called Into the Celestial with the great bass player, the most overrated bass player in Rochester, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Arjun Baxter, and a, a great drummer, Brendan Caroselli, and they recorded that with us. And um, it's amazing. It's a great production. You can yeah. find that online. As well as order it, um, the whole CD package is amazing. Ava made a beautiful uh, lyric, lyric booklet. booklet yeah. um, we have great art. What's the artist's name? Uh, Max Wilkins. Max Wilkins made the art for it. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. and uh, we record it with our buddy Cole Patisano, who is a great uh, recording engineer and mixing engineer. And Greg, today this will be out. This will not be out by then. It'll be out tomorrow. But Greg will be playing not in the rain, but I guess at Iron Smoke at Tommy's birthday today. And what's coming up with you? You got. I think you're starting to get really busy, aren't you? Yeah, today's gonna be fun. I mean, I had to learn a bunch of songs, you know, for Tommy's band, and then I got to play with whoever else comes up. And I'll be sure there'll be other drummers coming up. But it's always fun. And uh, yeah, I'm getting busy. And you're gonna, you, what are you going to do with nuts. that Billy Eilish prize money for one of the first prizes? Yeah. Uh, I got a, a, like joke a house party to play in a couple weeks, and I got the George Harrison show. And then I got this weird gig. I got a call from that band, the Keys and Keys to the Caddy, which oh. is kind of like a Sky Coasters-ish big, big band. It's like Tony Infantino's in it. Mm-hmm. And, and my friend Reinhard Brucker called me. He's, he's like, he said, hey, you want to do this gig? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Is there going to be a rehearsal? No. <laughs> Bring your, just, bring your drums. You know most of them. What's up? Are you just making the scene again? Or what yeah, are you doing? No, making some music? Get, no, I'm getting out How's again. Nina doing? She's doing well. She's in France right now. She'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, to finish up her senior year at, a, at Aquinas. Uh, but yeah, I'm getting back out on the scene again and putting some things together, talking yeah, and to some Yeah, you're just going to be roaming around, look for Ken on the scene, yeah. wherever he is. <laughs> Smile. I'll take your picture. Put it up on uh, put it up on social media. Yeah. No, we've got um, talking to Amy Collins that uh, she's going to be getting ready to t- take off again to do another two year stint on the road with Tim. But what she used to do here locally, I would like to keep going, and that is the Guilty Pleasures show. Yo, that's a lot yeah, of fun. That like we would. This, I think that we would uh, would do it over at Record Archive. It's Songs that you love, but are embarrassed to let other people know about. I ah, love that. That's isn't great. that great? That is isn't so that good. great? And we're going to be doing a we'll be doing a show um, at Record Archive. It's not yet cast in stone. I'm putting it together. And uh, three times eighty eight. I think I had mentioned before that uh, we're going to be doing that again. Which we will talk about, Ava. We'll talk about that. Oh, I, um, yeah. We should do a people. show like about guilty pleasures ourselves. Yeah. Was, oh, I know. People. Every metalhead I knew, like in the day in high school, used to love Neil Diamond. Be afraid yeah. to admit it. <laughs> But I have also, this week, uh, Bands at Barnard, our good friend of the show, Alyssa Trahan's opening on August 4th. Mm-hmm. August 5th, Adriana Nuna. Adriana Nuna, is that why they call her Nuni? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Adriana Nuna, she's playing actually with a party in the park with Almost Queen. And we have a show, Adriana Noon and her band at Love and Cup on 
the seventh, and then at the Bug Jar on the sixth, it's coming back. Uh, Sam Snyder's band's playing there. Mm-hmm. Greg Maslin's playing, and House Majority's playing. And there's got to be a whole lot of other stuff. Oh, I'm it's sure be a great show. it's yeah. gone. I've already got my get your tickets. Sam said they're going fast. Yeah. I'm going to go down there. It's just weird seeing back, but it's great. But thanks for you two coming on. What are you going to? You have a tune to, we're going to play. Could you just tell us about it a little? Yeah. Fata Morgana. Yeah, that's it's good. So. Yeah, so it's a song called Fado Morgana, and it's a song that I conceived kind of the, a lot of the chords, and we arranged it together, and it's about basically um, mirages in the distance, like a Fado Morgana is like you a know, fairy. You know, supposedly, something. you can look, we have one here, <laughs> supposedly we have one here, if on the right day, supposedly the illusion is you can see from Lake Ontario, you can see Toronto. Wow. Right, I've yeah, heard yeah. this a lot. One of my friends in Philly said, "You know, you got you've got a front of a guy." So, you actually, congratulations to you. Used the term I know I can oh, act like it. Yeah. But yeah, supposedly you could see Toronto on a weird day. Right. <laughs> so it's it's this basically an, an illusion. But um, I mean, when I heard the music that Tom had been cool working on, I was thinking like, oh, it's, it feels like a Celtic quest, like you're after this mythological creature sort of thing. And so you know, that's the thing, like getting like finding that, seeing that fairy Morgana that. Uh, Fata Morgana, Fata just means fairy, um, but how it, you know, how I conceived of that and applied that to my own life was it's j- definitely just like the pursuit of music, where there's this thing that's just ethereal and you want to capture this like beautiful essence, but especially in like the actual pursuit of it in the real world, it's so hard to like get that out there and get it to the place. Like you're chasing this dream and you don't know if anything ever is going to come from right. it, and you just have to hope and dream and like keep going after that, you know concept that like essence of, of beauty well great i'm looking forward thanks very yeah. much for being on and i have to say it again never more to covid yeah. <laughs> see you later bye-bye yeah.
I'm sure. 